Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. everybody Chawan here and today I am with my doppelganger we're like identical <laughs> twins it's so amazing similar hair similar just like everything and I am actually kind of thrilled because my guest is so beautiful and I'm just like mm-hmm. oh you know and I, I really feel as though in a lot of ways like even though I only met her for a little bit like there's a lot of things that I can learn from her uh, so yeah Let's start off with me pretending like I just met you. <laughs> just being like, okay, here's this beautiful woman. What's your name? Oh, my name is Kat Kim. I am a former crack addict, drug dealer, facing three years in state prison, turned leadership coach, spiritual teacher, mentor. Um, I founded a school called the School of Divine Confidence, where I help, um, I call them my misfits and mutants. My misfits and mutants, those are the type of people that I attract into my life. Um, I help people like that step into the best version of themselves so that they can make a difference. So this is the part where if we're at a Starbucks, I'd be sipping on my thing. (laughs) And I'd be like, all right, so we definitely should get married. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I accept. (laughs) Awesome. It's amazing. Like, You know, like the first time that I heard your story, and that was definitely part of what I heard, Mm -hmm. I felt a real deep connection, not because I've ever been a drug addict or I've ever been in trouble with the law, but I understand, I would say, like when you're in a world where you kind of, you're you're in a world where you're trying to find yourself and you may go down a road that at the time feels like maybe I fucked up, but eventually it turns out that you know what there was no fucking up it it was part of the journey so can you please tell me (laughs) where did all this begin (laughs) yeah I I wanna I want to really ask and you know I'm just gonna go straight to it how does a Korean girl Hmm. get involved with crack (laughs) I love that question I've been interviewed so many times no one has actually like Pose the question just like that. Um, that's a really good question. So let me start where it all began. I think for me, my feelings of um, unworthiness and um, not being loved began when I was six years old. My mother began feeding me diet pills when I was six years old. I was barely tall enough to look over my kitchen counter. I remember one day um, I'm at the kitchen counter. I have my hands up like this next to my mom and she's Um, at the cutting board and she's cutting the pills. And I asked her, I was like, mom, why are you doing that? And she said, these pills are for adults and you're only a child. So you only need to eat half of them. So thus began a lifelong struggle of like low self-confidence, 
horrible body image, no self-worth. Basically, when this was happening, because I'm so young, I just accepted. I just accepted without fighting, without knowing any better, that there was something wrong with me and that I needed something outside of me to be fixed, right? Can you go over like, and people who are not Korean may not realize this, but there's a huge cultural element to this probably as well about her feeding you diet pills. Can you please explain for the non-Koreans or non-East Asians why a mother would do that to their child? (laughs) You know, I can go into the cultural reasons. First of all, in Korea, the standard of beauty is just outrageous. There's no way. I mean, you just have to be like literally stick skinny in order to be considered beautiful. Uh, But I would say like on a deeper level, my mother was unhappy with herself. She was absolutely unhappy with herself. She felt like she needed to be fixed in so many ways. And therefore she projected all of that onto me, constantly fixing me, constantly saying I'm not pretty, constantly saying that I'm fat. I can't wear this. I can't be that. I can't do this. And just like editing me every single day was pretty much my life. Um, I also grew up in a really emotionally and physically abusive environment. So I started rebelling at a really young age. And I started smoking and drinking at 13, doing hardcore drugs at 16. Um, And by the time I was 18, I was doing cocaine and dealing cocaine. I was transporting it um, from Washington State to California on the plane. This is pre- 9-11, so maybe before some of you guys were born. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Um, It was definitely easier pre-9-11. It was very easy for me, actually, to transport drugs. And do you want to know the secret to it? (laughs) Yes, actually, yeah, I do. (laughs) Yeah, so I just put, like, wads, like, packets of cocaine into maxi pads. And I put them into my... (laughs) I put them, yeah, I put them into my makeup bag. I put them into my luggage. I mean, you know, talk about model minority and taking advantage of that. You know, I go across the security screens and they're not thinking that I've got sacks of cocaine in my, (laughs) in my luggage. Um, So it was, it was really easy. Um, So uh, one day I got caught and I was handcuffed and I was put behind bars in Oakland, California, of all places. So at that time, Oakland was notorious for its high rates of homicides and violent crimes. And I was smack dab in the middle of all of that. And you th- would think when I'm arrested that that would be my wake up call, but it wasn't. I just absolutely had, n- I was fearless, but it wasn't the type of fearlessness that comes from the heart or courage, courage, like the root word of courage is cur, which is the heart. It wasn't that type of fearlessness. It was the type that comes from having no regard for myself, my life, my future, my body. I didn't give a shit what happened to me. I absolutely did not care. I was living and just surviving minute to minute to minute to minute. And so while I was in jail, I was like, damn, man, I'm in Oakland. I'm going to try to make some deals while I'm here. I was trying to network. So while I was there, I was trying to make some deals. (laughs) Um, And and everyone there was way smarter than me. They're like, girl, you crazy. You know, (laughs) no, I'm not doing this. So, I mean, I'm literally there in the middle of Oakland jail, like trying to get into more trouble. It was just, it was nuts. 
Um, and, you know, suddenly I'm facing three years in state prison because this was a serious drug crime. Um, luckily, I was able to get a plea deal. Basically, I would plead guilty. And if I pled guilty without contesting or anything, then I could um, get out of jail and I could go to rehab for two years. And I had to do this whole program. Um, and I did. I did like Narcotics Anonymous tests every, uh, Narcotics Anonymous, so, so NA. Usually people are familiar with AA. Um, I went to NA. I was supposed to go two or three times a week. I didn't. You want to know how I got out of that? <laughs> Wait, this is before like Zoom calls were like the thing and you could like Yeah, it was way before, okay. way before, way yes. before, yeah. Please tell us how. Well, I mean, and this is illegal, but <laughs> you're supposed to go every two, like three times a week and, you know, sit in the group. And, and then afterwards, you're supposed to get a signature. But I was like, shit is not me. It's not me. It's not it's not even helping me. And so I forged the signatures. <laughs> I forged the signatures and I would send them to my parole officer. Um, weekly, I had to do a urine analysis, which that I did. Um, and I eventually cleaned up the drugs, right? But just because I cleaned up the drugs didn't mean I was free from this feeling of not caring for myself. This feeling of being unworthy, ugly, unwanted, it stuck with me. And so even though I cleaned up the drugs, it, those issues and those beliefs that I held so deeply in my heart and my mind, they manifested in different ways. And I started getting involved in really emotionally abusive relationships with men. And this entire time, Chawan, I did not take care of myself. I mean, I walked around like I was the ugliest, meanest bitch in town. I didn't dress up. I didn't put makeup on. Um, I dressed like a, a man, like big baggy jeans. I thought I was a gangster. Like I, I was like trying to be somebody that I was not at all. Um, and it wasn't until many after many years after jail, I was walking down my apartment hallway. Um, at this time, I was involved in a really emotionally abusive relationship with somebody. Uh, basically, he was taking care of me. You know, I was a high school dropout. I had, um, you know, I was a convicted drug offender. I had no job, no money. I was relying on this man to take care of me. I was so depressed, so depressed that like, I couldn't even lift my body, my arms. One day, I remember like being stuck on the couch in the middle of the day tried to lift my arms but I couldn't there was this energy like pushing me down I was like suffocating somehow I managed to get up and I don't remember where I was going but I was walking down my apartment hallway um, to the elevator and across from the elevator door there's this huge um, like floor to ceiling big huge mirror and I'm walking with my head down and I glance up and I see someone in the hallway and I see her reflection in the mirror and she's um, really unkept. She's like, um, her face is really swollen and puffy and red. And she just didn't look happy at all. And the way she was dressed was just really slumpy. And in that moment, even while I was wallowing in my own depression and toxicity, even though I hated my life so much in that moment, I looked at her and I just thought, oh my God, at least I'm not that bad. You know, I felt so sorry for her because more than how she looked, it was like this deep, dark, emanating energy that came from her. And, and then like a ton of bricks, it just hit me. There was nobody else in that hallway. Nobody else. It was only me. 
I had become so disconnected from the woman that I wanted to be and who I was being that I didn't even recognize myself when I saw myself in the mirror. I thought it was somebody else, but actually it was me. That was finally my wake up call right there. And this is a little bit dramatic, but this is really how it happened. I walked into the elevator door and as the door is closing like this, and mind you, the mirror is like right across from me. So I'm looking at this version of myself and, I'm, and it's closing like this. And I said, this is it. This is the last time. And I made a commitment that I would do whatever it takes to become the woman that I wanted to be. I wanted to be beautiful. I wanted to be powerful. I wanted to make an impact and transform lives. And at that time, I was nothing close to that. It was like a, a secret, secret burning desire that I had in my heart that, that someone, that I would walk somewhere and someone would look at me and think, wow, who's that, you know? But I was so far removed from that that I, I dared not share that, that dream with anybody because I knew people would laugh at me. But it was then I decided I would make that happen. And so I began studying everything under the sun around transformation. I became obsessed. So I became a nationally certified image, a professional certified image consultant. So I began studying makeup and colors and like body shape and how do you accentuate the most beautiful parts of a woman's or even a man's face and body, you know? So I began to ch change the way I dressed and, and the way I did makeup. And then I became a nationally certified personal trainer because I wanted to understand what the body goes through when it undergoes transformation. And then I went under, I went um, for like a three-year training to become a transformational life coach where I began studying the mindset and how the mindset and how you think directly impacts your behaviors and results, right? And so I began making this like physical transformation on the outside, but ironically, this quest for transformation on the outside, it kept taking me deeper and deeper inside. And it took me to this world of spirituality and energy and metaphysics. And this is where I discovered that everything that we are experiencing in the physical world, everything we experience out here is a direct reflection of what we are thinking and feeling beyond the physical in our hearts and in our minds. And I realized, oh my God, the fastest way to transformation is not to do all these things and change all of your thing out here, but it is to, is to go inwards and work on what's going on behind the curtain with your mind and your heart. And Basically, this is why I began, you know, I, I, I decided I would, I dedicated my career to helping other people go through a similar transformation. And since then, I've had some amazing opportunities. I've been on um, a show with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I was, a, I was a, um, a, a supporting coach on one of his TV shows. I was in a, um, um, a music video with John Legend recently. And all of these things, I can't even like, think of for myself is just what happens when you're really truly stepping into your true self. What I find so interesting about your journey is that in some ways it goes opposite of what a lot of people may expect in terms of you mentioned 
the more that you kind of focused on this outward transformation, the corresponding mm -hmm. inner transformation happened. Yeah. And as soon as you said that instantly, I thought glamour magic or, mm. you know, when we talk about glamour, the traditional definition of glamour was yeah. somebody putting a magic spell so that maybe you looked different than you actually do. But yeah. inside you are always the same. I mean, once the glamour's off, there's you yeah. again. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so Kat, she, she perfected glamour magic and along the way <laughs> oh my magic. god chills i love it and i think i did i think i did because in order to make a true transformation you can change the outside but if you don't change the inside once that outside disappears you disappear with it and so the glamour magic for me it's this stuff it's the right shade of lipstick and you know know how to put your lashes on and your makeup and do your hair but it's beyond that. You have to your you have to change your mind at the quantum level. You have to change how you think about yourself and who you are, and then the way you act, the way you move, the way you speak to people. That stuff just comes as a natural flow from who you are being on the inside. It's really hard to do, though, right? I mean. Everybody says, I need to change, you know, yeah. January 1st, everybody's like, I'm going to change this year. I have all these resolutions yeah. and most people don't fulfill them. And I'm sure lots of our viewers are doing magic right now because they're like, this will help me change on a fundamental level. They're not going for yeah. superficial stuff. Yeah. They are truly and honestly believe that fundamentally they want to change and magic can help them. And yet yeah. they don't. Something yeah. is stopping them. Like, what is it? What, what is stopping people from changing? Yeah. Well, first of all, there's a couple things. One thing is to be really aware and to know, like when you are seeking this change, is this change the thing um, that you're seeking because the whole world is doing it? You know, are you, have you been conditioned? Like my mother, very, very deeply conditioned that she needs to be a certain size. So much so that she fed me diet pills, right? Is that a true calling? That's not a true calling. <laughs> right? There might be a true calling in there to, to become healthy. That's a true calling, but you have to be like really aware and conscious of is the thing that I'm seeking something that has been imposed, brainwashed, conditioned into my mind, because if that's so you're letting the whole world outside of you determine what you need to do and what you need to be. That's giving our power away. Okay. The other way is to really, it is an, it's a lot of inner work, but when you can remove yourself from the, the world out there and really get deep down clear about what you're being called into, that's different. For me, I saw this vision of myself being on stage and speaking in a red dress. And I was like speaking and I was sharing my story and it was powerful and people were like being touched by this story. For me, that changed the essence of that. Let's talk about magic. It's like about the essence of things, right? The essence of that vision for me was power and beauty. And that for me was the, the thing that I held onto. So I had to really embody, learn how to embody and show up as the presence of power and beauty regardless of my physical experience, regardless of how much money I had in my account, regardless of how much weight I had, all that stuff is just temporary. But when you can show up as power and beauty from the inside and you look at people as if 
they are beautiful and they are powerful and you speak words of power and beauty that's magic that's magic and i want to touch on something right here because you're, what you're talking about is very exciting to me because it yeah. touches upon this idea of archetypes it talks about mm. in the magic community when we're let's say working with a deity let's say we're working yeah. with venus or mm. we're working with uh, juno or hecate yeah. or whoever yeah we are trying to embody their energy is that yeah. what you're talking about? I mean, like when you say power and beauty, what does that actually mean? Um, I like what you're saying here. For me, um, the, the way that I experience power and beauty is that it's my connection to source. So let me back up a little bit. When I was on this transformational journey and I became obsessed about figuring out how I can transform things on the outside as quickly as possible, what I discovered is that going going deeper and deeper inside i discovered the source of all things the source of all things when you think about the source of all things and this is this was not what i was expecting but it brought me to spirit or to god whatever name you have for it and it might be it might be a deity it might be a, whatever name fits for you but it brought me to like the essence of all things, which is outside of the physical, tangible thing. And I realized the source, which is spirit for me, or God, is not outside of me. It's actually inside of me. And I call God an it. It's not a he, it's not a her. It's like, it's an it. It's an energy. It's a substance. God is a substance, you know? And I experienced as God expressing itself through me as power and beauty. So it's like, whoosh, you know, so I wasn't trying to get something outside of me and be it. I was allowing all the power that's already inside of me, whoosh, like be expressed. Okay. So it almost sounds as though you had agency to decide the, the aspects of God, this yes. substance the way that I want to express God is power and beauty. Girl, this is why. <laughs> yes, you just, you clearly, clearly just named it. And I realized that's what God is. God is not some fucking white man in heaven with the, you know, whatever, a staff and judging us or condemning us to hell. God is an experience. It is an it. It's a substance. It's life. It's always existed. We have access to that because it's what we are made of. <laughs> and we're constantly being expressed that way. The minute that we shut it down is when we shut off that source of life or power or beauty. And there are so many ways that it can be expressed. Power, beauty, communication, family, um, whatever it is that you're being called into. For me specifically, power and beauty. And beauty was one of those things I denied. I absolutely denied in my life. I did not let myself feel beautiful, express beauty, talk about beauty. And I realized, fuck, man, this is my calling to be beautiful, to be to express my life in a, in a beautiful way, not just the outside, but everything I do. Is this your experience as well? Because I experienced this where when I put on this, right? Yeah. And this is like an aspect of me. Of course, you know, people on TikTok, they see me without my makeup. That's like not a thing. Yeah. But 
when I put this on, I feel more like myself yeah. in a strange way. Yes. Can oh, you yeah. talk more about like why? And I think a lot of people, they may take things too literally. They may be saying, they may feel a little bit turned off right now. They may be like, I'm spiritual and beauty is so superficial. Like, and you're saying like beauty and you're saying you feel more like you when you have the makeup on. Like, that's so not feminist. That's so not spiritual. That's not woke. Uh, what would you no. say to that? No, I say, I say bullshit, man. <laughs> no, bullshit. Because... <laughs> I mean, anybody who goes out into nature and there's a beautiful waterfall and you're just like, you're struck by its beauty. Why are you struck by its beauty? Because there's a visual element to it. There's something that the colors, the, the way that the greenery and the water and everything, everything, there's something about it that's so visually like aesthetically pleasing and it just makes sense it's nature when we see a flower when we see a baby there's there's something that happens because there's like there's like um I don't know what you call it but it's like it's like when you smell something good and it's like smells so good or when we eat something good we never make that like bad right but how come when we see something that makes us feel good why is that superficial hell no beauty is being expressed Mm -hmm. by spirit when we see beauty in nature and in people that is like god expressing itself and that's one of the things i had to overcome too i was like oh my god this is so superficial but i'm like wait a second this makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like who I really am. And so like, I just own it. And more and more and more Taiwan actually, like I'm actually in this next stage of my life where I want to take kind of my physical um, presentation and aesthetics and like take it to the next level. Like there's like something else that wants to be born. I have like an alter ego inside of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's being going to be born too. And it's just so much fun. You know, when you were talking about um, you also having to struggle and to accept that nature is, has beauty in it as well. And I was thinking yeah. about all the things that we individually find beautiful that other people don't find beautiful. So beauty is definitely in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And also you mentioned beauty and power. Yeah. And um, how interesting that when a man is quote unquote beautiful, mm-hmm. the world fawns over him, right? Like mm-hmm. there is something sort of like a, wow, you know, like, uh, he, he suddenly becomes part of BTS. Yeah. And then he, he becomes like boy band member, and he's lauded and he becomes extremely powerful. And all of society enjoys who he is, he takes up the space, men are jealous, women are just like amazed. But then yeah. when a, a person who presents as feminine is, is somebody who has like this, I would say, almost loud beauty, mm-hmm. they try to strip the power away from her. Mm, yeah have you noticed that yeah I mean we're held to a double standard no matter what no matter what country we're in I mean in Korea it's even worse right um you probably know this but in Korea like when you apply for a job you you add you put your picture there um and it's it's just a double standard that we that all women all over the world live by and that's why I think it's even more important that each of us define what beauty means for ourselves and not let the world outside of us tell us whether we're beautiful or not. And that's really what true beauty is, is like, I got to define it for myself. If I go to Korea, I'm not beautiful, you know, like I'm too fat or something or whatever, but I have to, I have to stand in my power. I have to stand in my own self and know 
what makes me feel beautiful. And, and it's not just physical. It's like your values, you know, who makes you who you are. And if you were to strip away, and this is the key Taiwan, if you were to strip away the makeup, the hair, um, the money, the career, all the labels, if you if your arms and legs got chopped off and everything was taken from you, who are you? What is the essence of who you are? And that's the inner work, but you have to know what that is. And that's your source of power. That's your source of beauty. Nothing outside of you is. Then the next question naturally would be, then how does somebody even start with that? Because there are people in my audience who intellectually know all of this. Yeah. And yet they find that their life is still exactly what it was pre-pandemic. And they're like, yeah. nothing has changed. I want to change. I want to evolve. Mm -hmm. They're so on board with what you say, but they're like, they, they're trying, but they can't, or they don't even know where to start. Like, how do they even start? Yeah. First of all, you're not supposed to be on this journey by yourself. That's why we're all here together, right? And I think if anything we've learned um, from the pandemic and what we're going to move into now is this previous way of behaving like you are alone in the world and that you need to figure things out by yourself um, and that individualism and, and, and just like um, hyper individualism, that's not working. And we're really going to move into um, community-based um, businesses and just you know, where we are learning how to rely on each other. So anyone who's struggling, who's listening to this, you're not supposed to do this on your own. You're not supposed to do it on your own at all. So learn how to seek other people who are like-minded. That's the first thing. The other thing I would say is, um, so I call my school, the school of divine confidence. And, the, and, and what, I, what I mean by divine confidence is having an unshakable faith in knowing who you are and what you're here to do regardless of what's going on in the world outside of you. And what I mean by that is regardless of how much money you have in your bank account, regardless of the number on the scale, regardless of who the president is, true divine confidence comes from your connection with your source, your higher power, whatever that name is for you. And to know that you have purpose in this world right here and right now, not in the future, I'm talking about right here, right now. And the key to this is the minute that you give your power away and you start thinking, I have to do this and this and this in order to be accepted, is the minute that you give your power away. And to get it back, you have to like connect with your source. And that takes work, it takes time, it takes a spiritual practice over and over and over again. And I just wanna say this one last thing. We have been heavily, I don't know if your community might call it black magic, I might be using the wrong terminology, but I don't know if it's black magic, it's like we have been heavily conditioned um, and brainwashed to, feel like we need something outside of us in order to be okay on the inside. We need more money, more followers, more praise, um, bigger cars, whatever that is. And once we get that thing on the outside, then we'll feel good. It doesn't work that way. That's not how metaphysics works. If you wanna change anything on the outside, you have to change the inside. The unfortunate thing is the consumer capitalist culture feeds off of us feeds off of our insecurities and our fears and says, you want to be beautiful and sexy buy this. <laughs> but it's, that's not how you become that person that you're wanting to be. 
I am so glad you brought that up. I talk about it as in terms of faux, as in false glamour magic, which is okay. the advertising mm -hmm. and the marketing. Yes. And you are definitely being seduced by their glamour magic, which yes. is to line their, their wallets, but it's not your glamour magic. And exactly. one of the things that I'm very interested in hearing from you is, okay, so let's say I'm completely on board with 100% like, um, I believe that it does take a community, which I think mm -hmm. is a kind of novel idea for a lot of people that I know that, oh my God, wait, it's like, I'm not supposed to do this alone. Absolutely yeah. not. You're not supposed yeah. to, um, you can, but it won't be as fun to be perfectly honest. Yeah. So how does somebody even start? Because a lot of my viewers are young and they feel really socially awkward. They've been bullied. They've been told that mm -hmm. they're fucking weird. Like, mm -hmm. how do you even reach out to find a community that's not toxic? Yeah. Oh, um, first of all, for if you have been bullied or if you've, you know, if you've been hurt by other people, I just my heart goes out to you. And I totally understand. I was bullied mostly actually by my Asian friends and Asian community. And um, if it was any community that I felt like that was hurt the most by, it was by the people that look like me the most, interestingly. And um, I have always since then felt like an outcast, um, you know, trying to fit into this group, trying to fit here, but never fitting in. Um, and, and it was after so many years, I realized I'm not supposed to fit in. And so whoever's listening to this and they've been through this, I want to tell you that you're not supposed to fit in. You're, so, you're meant to create your own superpowers, your own glamour magic. You're meant to create your own life and your own story out of this. And there's no reason why you need to change yourself or conform or talk differently or look differently so that you can fit into another group. And this is why, um, this is why like, I call my, my, my students, I call them mutants. One of my clients one time called being Professor X from um, X-Men. And he, he was like, you're like Professor X. You gather people, like you gather the mutants out in the world who are being, um, who are being ridiculed and judged because they're different. And, and I gather them and I'm like, you know, I help them find their own superpower and like even their own, and maybe I can say this with you, but you know, every single person has their own way of doing magic. And they, I think, and I know that every single person has access to different portals. You have a portal to magic, right? Um, my other students would not have that portal, but they are have portals that they have um, connection to different dimensions. And I, I'm, I'm able to kind of like open those doors. I'm like, this is where you belong. Open, and I open the door and then they are able to go that way. But everyone is different in that way. And so find what works for you is what I would say. And, and you are so special and there's something, I know it. <laughs> and you're meant to be a mutant, <laughs> not a conformist. I like what you're saying, which is, let's get a bunch of mutants together, but let's not yes. make all of them the same. This isn't just yep. X-Men, but they have to be a certain cookie cutter type of X-Men. Exactly. This is just, we're all just fucking weird, but maybe yes. one person has a very different superpower. So yes. 
Yeah. That's exactly it. Right. And the thing is, I think a lot of spiritual paths or a lot of esoteric ideas, they try Mm -hmm. to make you, isn't that weird? They try to make you conform and say, you have to be like this to be a superior person. But what you're telling me and from what I'm hearing is as long as you're just fucking weird and you feel like you don't belong, (laughs) but you understand that there's something deeper. There's a place for you in your school, basically. (laughs) Well, that, of course, of course. But there's a place for you in the world and there's purpose behind it. And I I love weird people. I mean, I get so bored with vanilla. And it's like, and people, like, when they see me, they think I'm like a certain way. And oh, she's so like professional and blah, 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 blah. But like, I'm not even close to that. I think that's why, like, when I do interviews and I start talking and cussing, they're like, what the fuck? What? Crack addict? <laughs> Who networked in Oakland in the prison yeah. system? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To me, that's, to me that if I had been, let's say your, I don't know, guardian angel, like during mm-hmm. that time, mm-hmm. I would have come down at that point and been like, you know what, your desire for connection is so intense that somehow you are able to do your networking and not get killed, first of all. Oh, so, so many. Right? And yeah. the fact that you are so disconnected for yeah. so long, but the entire time you wanted to be connected to something bigger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I feel like so many people who are watching this are in the exact same boat. Mm. And it may not even be something as extreme as being in prison, although some people may be, but yeah. it could be they're addicted to video games yeah. or they're in a super, as you mentioned, super emotionally abusive relationships. This yeah. is so common. I was in really emotionally draining and abusive relationships in my twenties and like the beginnings yeah. of my thirties. This is so yep. common. Me too. And the thing is, is that, you know, you know that you're more than that. You know that yeah. you're deeper than that and that yeah. you have more to give to the world. And yet, there's something, some, yeah. something that's holding you back. Can yeah. you tell us about how do you even, when you feel completely hopeless, how do you even take that very first step? Like if you had to give us like, let's say the first three practical steps to do if you're in that situation, yeah. Yeah. what do you do? Okay, good, good. All right. So when you're in that situation, first of all, you're addicted to toxicity you're addicted, like you would be addicted to sugar or drugs, you're addicted to an energy. And so when you're in that phase and that energetic like black hole, it's really difficult for you to see all the possibilities and actually to see the truth of who you really are because you're you're trapped. So take that into consideration. Number one, you're just not able to see all of the amazing things that are ahead of you. You just can't see it. You got blinders on. So um, when you're in that place, this is the one thing I would say, really tap into that deep secret burning desire that you have. Like, what is that thing? And everyone has that. Like, if I could have anything I want in the world, this is what I want. But it has to be something that is so big and it's so vulnerable. It's something that you wouldn't say to somebody. For me, when I was in that, you know, in that hallway and I was in a toxic relationship and I was depressed, the thing I wanted so bad was to be a beautiful, powerful woman who was transforming lives. It was such a secret. I never shared it. But 
the thing that you feel in your heart, that's your calling. That's what you're being called into. Is it okay if your calling would be, let's say, I want to be 30 pounds lighter, like starting out, like if that so, was your calling. Remember, it's about getting to the essence of the physical thing. You got to take your attention away from the physical. Yes, if you want to be 30 pounds lighter, great. Okay, I, I wanted that too. But you have to remove yourself from the physical thing and get to the essence of it. What, what would you be if you were 30 pounds lighter? Would you be, would you have vitality? Would you feel like life? Would you have movement? So you want to get to the core essence. I call them core God qualities. So when you can get to that core thing, that's actually the way God wants to express itself through you as life. Wait, can, 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 we, can we actually yeah. then, okay, this might be kind of fun, okay? okay? Let's pretend that I'm one of your mutants, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to talk me through this and I'm going to pretend like I'm someone else, okay? And let's start yeah. with that, okay? So yeah. I'm going to come to you and say, Kat, mm. I really don't know what I want, but mm. what I really do want right now is I hate how I look in the mirror. I want to lose 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say then if you were to close your eyes and imagine yourself in this way with your body, like, and you could have what you want for yourself and your body. Tell me what that looks like. Paint that image for me. Well, if I lost 30 pounds, then there's this guy at my school. He'll mm -hmm. notice me and mm -hmm. he is so hot and he's just, oh my God, I think about him all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I would just love it if he just said hi to me. And how would you feel? How would you feel in your body? Imagine that he's passing by you in the hallway and he looks at you and he's like, wow. And he says, hi, or he, he has that twinkle in his eye. What would that feeling or experience be in your body? Okay, and this is just as a side note, this is where I think it's very important to be brutally honest and no yes. shame in admitting what 100%. it is that you really want. Yes, thank you. Yep. Because what the first thing that came to my mind, and again, I'm just, you know, I'm far from high school or college or whatever, but the first thing that came into my mind was then the other girls will know that I am just as good as them. You know? Oh, yeah. And if you knew, if you knew that all the other girls in your school thought and knew that you were just as good as them, how would that feel? How would that feel for you? in your body? I would feel like I can totally relax. I can go up to any lunch table mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have to worry that they're going to laugh at me or talk behind my back. I yeah. feel like I can walk into any classroom, like in the first day of school, and I don't have to look around and be like, oh, where do I sit? You know, yeah. like I don't have to be so worried. And if you're not worried and you can walk into any place, whether it's at school, cafeteria, anywhere, and you can sit anywhere and you just feel so good. Like, what is that? What would you be experienced? If you're not worried, what is the thing? Oh, well, I'm getting kind of emotional, like thinking about this because, uh -huh. yeah, because I think that maybe right now I'm thinking about all these people, all these like young women who just feel yeah. completely like rejected from especially their peer group, like other women that they want to and other girls they want to connect with. And I'm just thinking, if I could just relax, 
yeah. and just feel accepted. Like, I just want to like hang out with other girls and like with the movie show, you know, like you can tell secrets to each other and you yeah. can, you don't have to worry about things like boys and sex, you know, and you can yeah. just, you know, like have sleepovers and, and just be there and for each other and like ride or die and, mm. and not have to worry and just yeah. totally be myself and be present to yeah. whatever's happening that's it i just got ch- i got chills as you're like sh- like all the way up in my scalp um what you just described there that would be your calling that would be your calling and you know it is because you said you got emotional so when when people are going through this they hit that word, they hit, they start talking about the thing and they feel the energy behind it. That's when you know, that's the thing that you're being called into. Wow. Okay. Now I'm getting chills. Um, (laughs) And I just want to summarize the process. Like I want to, I'm sure that as I was intellectually talking about this, you guys may have not realized I was having an emotional, visceral Mm -hmm. reaction to it. And a lot of it was, first of all, feeling shame that like, I want other girls to think that I'm just as good as them because I actually don't feel as good as them. I had to admit that. Yeah. And secondly, me being like, oh, you know, like feeling this incredible vulnerability that I can't have that, you know, like BFF relationship, you know, that these other girls don't like me. I can't share my secrets. I don't want the guy, actually. I don't want him. I'm not ready. I'm not emotionally ready. I'm just a kid. What I really want is I want a bunch of girls where we can do things together and just be teenagers together. That's what I really want, to have that safe space with other people like me. Oh, I keep getting chills. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of of young girls and and non-binary people, uh, Mm -hmm. they feel like, the world tells them they need to have community because they're supposed to be natural nurturers and they're supposed mm-hmm. to be naturally good at mm-hmm. like connecting with people. And so what if you, you're not, and instead no. you're rejected and these girls, they look at you and they're like, we're going to jump you after school because you looked at us Ugh. wrong, you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And you just feel like every day you're waking up and you just feel like you just want to jump out of your skin. Yeah. 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 I, I, it hurts my heart, like hearing about things like that and and stories like that. And that's why this work is so important of going inwards and figuring out like, what is actually the thing that I'm seeking? And as we discovered, it's not the boy in the hallway. It's not even that you're, the girls think a certain way. What you're seeking is what I heard is like true connection with your peers right? Like where you guys can love on each other and receive love and have a little community of people where you support each other. Having that one clarity in itself is one of the most powerful things that anybody can do for themselves, whether you're a teen, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And that work that you just did as an, as a, as an example, that is not, people don't go that deep. They stop at the surface level. I want that boy. No, they're still stuck at the 30 pounds. Remember that? (laughs) Let's rewind. They're stuck at the 30 pounds. So instead of reclaiming their power as someone who can create that community and safety for even just one other person, instead of working on that, they're chasing the next diet, you know, 
Oh my God. That's why maybe if I wasn't aware that there's something deeper, I might develop an eating disorder or I may end up taking diet pills or end up giving my daughter diet pills. Ooh, Ooh yeah, 100%. And I wouldn't even know that I was you being like that. You wouldn't even know. Oh. You wouldn't even know. And you would constantly be thinking something's wrong with you because I can't lose the 30 pounds. Do you see how surface level that is? Yeah. And and then to add on to that, what we discussed already is the, the culture of consumerism feeding on that. They feed off of that. That Vampires. thing that you yes, yes. And it's like, oh, I gotta lose 30 pounds, gotta lose 30 pounds. Here's this program, here's this, here's a beautiful woman that lost 30 pounds doing this. And so we're we are taking the most powerful magic that each and every individual in this world has, which is the power of focus. Okay. We're taking that and we're pinpointing it to an area that serves us no good. When in fact, the real thing that we are seeking and wanting is love and community and connection. So imagine if we took that power and we took it away from the 30 pounds and we brought it down to how do I show up? How can I be the presence of love and connection for this person that's right here in front of me. Wow. You know, if I were that teenager, I'd be like, okay, I want that connection. Like, thank you, Kat. Now I feel much more focused. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to go on TikTok. Now I'm going to go on Twitter. Now I'm going to go on social media because that's a place where I can find like-minded people. But I'm going to start sharing very different things rather than the celebrity gossip and the yes. sort of like trolling on other people and bringing them down to make myself like feel better because that's what yeah. I see modeled around me instead I'm going to be like this is a comic book I really like who else likes this yeah I'm taking this art class and I know it's so fucking weird but you know what there must be one person in the world who likes this too totally then it's totally yeah. different like your energy is very different and then once you get over the shame and the embarrassment and the vulnerability, mm -hmm. and you're just like, this is so normal to so want normal. connection. And yeah. there must be one, other, at least one other, that's all I need. One, one. other person. One other person. One other, one other person. person. And it. maybe if they're like me, they're also on Twitter being like, where's my one, where's my other half, you know? Oh, well, let me see. This is the coolest part of let's rewind a little bit. I said, you know, cause you're asking what are the um, steps, right? I said, you got to tap into that secret burning desire. So for example, your secret burning desire, once we peel back all the layers was to be in a community of like-minded people where you are sharing and supporting and there's love, right? The reason that is your calling, now get this, cause I love the way spirit works because spirit is so efficient. The reason you're feeling that pull and that draw is because there are people out there seeking and wanting and crying and praying for that very thing that you are being called into. It's so You see how efficient, I'm getting chills right now. It's so efficient. With a problem, a solution arises. When someone's crying and praying for something, someone has the solution and it shows up as a calling, a desire to show up as any quality of God, power, beauty, love, connection, community, all of that. Oh, I love that. I mean, and it's true. If we look back in our lives, 
when we needed something, if we were open to it, we sometimes we weren't open, so we pushed it away, but things come to us. That's why they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? This isn't just yeah. bullshit stuff that no. somebody made up. This is like something that has literally happened again and again and again in everybody's yeah. life. Oh, this is every, so amazing. Every problem, all of your listeners right now, whatever problem that you are experiencing, whatever challenge you have right now, there is a solution to it. And those came, those arise into consciousness, those arise into the world at the very same time. And the way that you get that solution is to now, remember I said the most powerful thing we have, our focus, our mindset, is to now focus on, oh, what's the solution? Where is the solution? I can't wait for the solution to come. Where is this? And, and starting to get excited about it, boom, that solution will show up for you. And what's important is that you remain unattached to the way the solution shows up. So in our minds, we're thinking, oh, the only solution to losing 30 pounds is that it has to be this program that's going to help me lose weight by this teacher or whatever. Mm -mm -mm. There's so many ways, so many ways, and you have to be unattached. Once again, it's always like detaching yourself from the physical representation of the thing you think you want. Because the essence, the essence of that thing exists all around us. It's bubbling it's like so cool it's vibrating all around us all the time oh my god can, can i tell you okay so all my life you know i was indoctrinated into believing that i needed to lose weight right yeah i was never like big and yeah. yet i was told that i was still too big yeah. so i was indoctrinated indoctrinated and finally i was just like this is just i don't want to anymore right i didn't yeah. want to um i tried all the diets i tried everything mm. and it just never worked Mm -hmm. And it was so much energy. And then recently, like we're talking like January, February of this year, like February, yeah. I think. Yeah. I just literally just got interested in the concept of longevity in terms of like the research that's being done in Harvard. Yeah. And they were talking about how like hormones and this and that and like your gut bacteria and everything. Yeah. And purely out of that, because I'm, I'm a transhumanist, right? I was just uh -huh. like purely out of that intellectual way of doing things. I was like, let yeah. me try it. Yeah. And then I just very easily lost like 25 pounds, like since February, I didn't even try, right? And I was what? like, yeah, I didn't yeah. even try. Uh -huh. And I realized that the reason why that happened was because yeah. sometimes the weight, and we're just using weight right now, sometimes yeah. the reason why you have that weight is that it's almost a symbolic representation yeah. of like the baggage that maybe society is putting on you or whatever mm. else. Yeah. Oh, so, absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. So instead of being down on yourself and yeah. instead of judging yourself, instead mm -hmm. I was just like, what if I just stopped giving a shit because it yeah. obviously isn't working out for me and yeah. I actually do what I'm interested in. Yes. Yes. And then it just came off like almost That's how like it a works. miracle. Yeah. That's, and it's, it's not a miracle though. This is, there's the met, there's laws spiritual laws, metaphysical laws that make this happen. So in order, again, I'll say it again, if you want to change the outside, it's not about doing all these things on the outside. You have to go back in beyond the physical and change, like transmute the energy around this topic. And most of the time, first, it requires that you actually begin to care less about it. That's how you transmute it. Yes. 
right? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you, when you decided, yeah. like, as the elevator door was closing, yeah. on one hand, you were like, I want to become power and beauty, but how did yeah. you stop caring as much? That's, okay, that's a really good question. That's a journey. It's a journey. And I still oftentimes struggle with that. Like, when I said we we're so brainwashed and conditioned, we're talking about we are conditioned by hundreds of years of patriarchy and extractive capitalism and cultural ways of like consuming and producing and consuming and producing and fixing and moving and doing, right? So it doesn't happen overnight. For me, it's been layers and layers and layers and layers. And once I clear and heal one layer and I'm feeling good, boom, something else will show up. But here's the, what's beautiful about that. The reason it shows up is because you're being called into your next version of yourself. There's purpose to this pain and suffering. Every time something shows up, I'm like, okay, what's, what's, next, what's next for me? I'm being called into my next thing. I'm being called into my next thing. So instead of like feeling like you're doing something wrong and you, you can't do it, you really have to learn how to look at it like, there's something underneath this that wants to gift me with more wisdom, more beauty, more power. And for me, I have to be willing to look at it, you know, instead of run away, repress it, make it wrong, um, and all of that. Oh my God, Kat, like epiphany, epiphany, you're good. Um, I just realized that that's one of the ways that maybe I judge myself. It's like, I think that I've got the shit solved, right? I'm just like, yeah. oh, I need to do this. And yeah. I went deep and I'm good. And, but then I suddenly feel like another shadow coming out and I'm yeah. like, what? I thought that I fixed myself, but now there's no, oh, there's something wrong with me. I will never yeah. be yeah. fixed. I will yeah. never. But what you're saying actually is, ooh, how exciting. It's the next year. Yes. Yes. It's the new magic. It's the new thing. Like, Ooh, what do I get to transmute this into? That's a true ma magician. You know, you, you, you take something or true witch, right? Like, it's like, you have this thing. How do you change it and transmute it into something else? And we're all just talking about energy here. That's all it is here. It's like, how do you, for example, jealousy. I get jealous a lot for the stupidest fucking reasons. It's like <laughs> dumb, like really, Kat? Like, you're so lame, but I do. <laughs> but I've learned that when I get jealous, even of like my closest friends, which is so stupid, I'm like, okay, instead of like stewing and getting angry and having all these voices going in my head, I just now I'm like, what is this? What's underneath this jealousy? What's happening here? Like, what is this jealousy here? Why is it showing up right now? What's underneath it? Because underneath the jealousy, underneath the fear or anger, whatever uncomfortable emotion you're feeling is actual love, beauty, power. It's pushing it through, right? But you can't see that gift if you're constantly like pushing it down and repressing it and making it wrong. And worst of all, turning to drugs, distractions and everything else. Now our mind's back out here when actually the gift is over here. It's always like this crazy, like, let's distract them as much as possible so they can't get to the real juicy, powerful gift, you know? Oh my God, chills. Because what you said about, you're not 
supposed to do this by yourself, you know, like yeah. you, there's no shame in wanting to do this as a group. And in fact, it would be really tough to do this sort of work by yourself simply because it's yeah. like, I feel jealousy, but I'm ashamed of that. I'm not supposed yeah. to feel jealousy. I'm a good mm. person. Mm-hmm. No, and here I am feeling like my my one friend who I claim to be really good friends with, I'm yeah. jealous. I'm that jealous. Oh, what, what's wrong with me? And so it's yeah. easy if I don't have a community, if I don't have a group of people mm-hmm. I'm working with, it's so easy for me to just ignore it, push it away, yeah. whatever it is. And then I'm kind of stuck there. Exactly. That's why people get stuck. That's why people get stuck because they're afraid of that feeling of discomfort. And that's why we have a fucking epidemic of mental health issues, mass shootings. Come on now. That's not normal. That's not. Although it's normal in America, but it's just crazy. That's like normalized behavior here, you know? But the reason we're having all these issues on such a mass collective scale is because we have judged and we have pathologized, meaning we have made uncomfortable emotions like depression or anger we've made it so wrong that we've actually called it a pathology and we put it into the you know um the book of problems and mental health issues and here what you need is drugs to fix the problem because feeling those things is not good so we have to so you got to ignore them right so we turned into a culture where we're just constantly ignoring the very thing that's actually going to give us the cure the magic the healing it's all there in the uncomfortable gross um icky feelings it's all there wow you're talking you're now talking about alchemy like you've literally used the word alchemy yeah and for those viewers who may not know in in magical processes it was people physically doing alchemy which was like pre-chemistry and yet the process was to take something distill it like a plant or whatever distill it down to its very core essence like an oil or something Oh, I love it. And then you would create like the the Uber version of like some plant or whatever it is, right? And you're going to use fire or whatever other sort of chemical reaction to keep distilling it and making pure and pure, like get to the more and more of its oh, essence. I love, I got chills. That's the process we just talked about. Yeah. You were talking about wanting to lose 30 pounds. Well, we just distilled it actually down to its pure essence. That is how you do it. Everything you desire in life, it can be 30 pounds. It can be $30 million. Whatever that thing is, it's okay. There's no judgment. Let's distill it down. Let's get to the essence of that thing because that's where the power is because you have access to that essence. You don't need the physical thing to experience the essence of that physical thing. And when you allow yourself to feel the essence of that physical thing, metaphysically, you begin to change everything outside of you. That's the irony of it all. (laughs) That's really amazing because what I realize is that, you know what, like if you are open and you're kind of like deciding, okay, maybe I'm going to start off with that 30 pounds, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to like go deeper. It's like that 30 pounds can be the greatest 30 pounds. The journey of it could be the greatest 30 pounds of your life because then it's going to open you up to something bigger. It's just like how you going through the entire experience of like, you know, prison and drug addict and, you know, the, the bad relationships, though, that was part of the, the alchemical process. 
Yeah. So instead of feeling like, oh man, you know, I'm so superficial for feeling jealous. I'm so superficial because all I want is to lose 30 pounds. Oh my God, I fucked up. I have a, a, a record now. Or, you know, like, oh my God, you know, I had a guy like hit me or something like that. And therefore I'm a statistic and I'm like mm-hmm. damaged property. Yeah. But it's like, hi, there were chemicals that needed to be put in fire to be distilled into like yeah. their essence. Yeah. So are you going to throw that essence away? No, that's the best no, part. That's the best part. That's right. Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah. So if people wanted to know more about how you can help them, because like, you know, just like talking to you and how you kind of helped me through, like, let's say the 30 pounds all the way down to the connection and stuff. How can they learn more? Um. Well, <laughs> I, you can you can find me. You can, I mean, um, I started a call, uh, the school of divine confidence where it's, I am gathering my misfits and mutants. And I, you know, my entire life, like I said, I've tried to fit into other people's, um, perception of what I should be and other groups. And I just don't, it never has worked. And so I tend to attract people like that, who, who just, who have tried this and that, but they haven't really felt in yet they know deep down in their bones they feel it in their bones that they're here to do something special they just don't know how to create that yet um i mean there's so many ways you can go on this journey i am not the only spiritual teacher if if what i say is interesting of course you guys can find me at the school of divine confidence um you can find me on instagram cat kim um but for every single person there's um you know a teacher you know, and, and like I said, when you have the question, when you have the desire, the answer is going to be there. And everybody, everybody has at their disposal, the next logical step, everybody, everybody. And that's all we actually need is just the next logical step, because that's what spirituality is. It's becoming present to the moment, removing ourselves from the past removing ourselves from the future because that hasn't happened yet but being fully present to this moment and in this moment we all have that next logical step and that's all we need step by step moment to moment i love that it's what you're suggesting then which i find so powerful is that you don't need to have it figured out five steps ahead no yeah I'm probably 20 some, maybe 30 years older than a lot of your viewers here. <laughs> Trust me, I don't have shit figured out. <laughs> and do you know what? That's been my biggest lesson in the last even month or so, which has been so liberating. Like one of, cause I'm, I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly peeling back the layers. And one of the best lessons I've learned is that I don't have to have anything figured out. I mean, I knew that cognitively in my head, but now I'm fully embodying it at 40. I'm, I'll be 43 this year. And it's like, oh, oh my God, you mean I don't have to have a business plan? I don't have to have a strategy. I don't have to know what I, you know, like it's actually true. You don't need to have any of it. And now I feel more alive than I have ever felt. And I, at my age, I feel like it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And I'm so excited. <laughs> oh my God. First of all, you look amazing. Oh. <laughs> You're actually my onni. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 41 right now. Oh, um, okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. No. Am I doing my math right? Hold on. 
Wait, I was born in 1979. So you were born in 78. Okay. When's your birthday? March. So Mm, maybe I'm 42. Okay. Whatever the case, you know, Asian person here who can't do math. So, (laughs) so the thing is, is that like, for me as well, my life didn't get fucking awesome until like my late thirties. Yeah. And everybody, I felt kind of like everybody's full of shit. They were like saying yeah. how like you need to like live it up in your teens and 20. I'm just like, yeah, but you're kind of stupid then too. Yeah. So so when stupid. I got in my late 30s, I was like, yeah. I feel great. I'm the healthiest yeah. I've ever been. The choices mm-hmm. I'm making are fully aligned with the I don't give a fuck. And so my life at 40, 42, I'm doing my math right, is like, Everything that I wanted for my 20s and society told me I had to do in my 20s. Yeah. And for a long time, I judged myself and I was like, wow, am I a late bloomer? Am I like European like that? Or am I just (laughs) a loser? You know, because we're told like, right, because society tells us if you don't have this marker by a certain age, you're a loser. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, I was just like, I couldn't. I couldn't have done all this stuff when I was in my twenties. I I just couldn't have. And also the fact that I look back at who I was when I was like, even like when I was in my early thirties and I'm just like, I needed that time. I needed that time. And I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust myself. Mm -hmm. And instead I was always rushing, 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 rushing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a cultural thing because I think in East Asian culture, Everybody mm-hmm. loves to compare themselves with everybody else. Oh, like, yeah. At church, mm-hmm. you know, how the parents are always comparing, like, what their kids are doing. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like a family thing as well. But, like, yeah. but after a while, I, I started to realize that, you know what? There are certain people who just take a little bit longer. And I'm totally okay yeah. with that now. And I wish that somebody had told me, you don't have to yeah. have it figured it out. You don't have to have it figured out at age even 35. I didn't. Nope. You don't have to have it figured out at age 42, girl. Yeah. And I'm sure that <laughs> you really people. don't. Yeah. It's, I'm guessing there are people who are like 70 years young, 80 years young, who are just like, I feel like I'm just getting started. You know what? And, and that's the beauty of life. Do you know, like the, like I said, I just went through this um, in the last month. I just really went through this like massive shift. And by the way, I don't know if you follow astrology. Do you follow astrology? Love with it. Okay, your Uranus is in opposition with your Uranus. It's a, you're approaching that time at least. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Uranus is the planet of destruction. It changes like whatever the status quo is. It like breaks it up, right? Um, your your Uranus, everyone's Uranus opposes the Uranus at the age of between 40, 42, 43, 44. They call it the midlife. You know, you thought it was the midlife crisis, but actually there's an astrological reason to it. And when planets are in opposition to each other, they, they, they conflict even more. So when the planet Uranus is conflicting with the planet Uranus, it's like a firework of changes and things are shifting. And I'm going through that right now. You're going to go through it too, which I'm excited for you. <laughs> and um, one of the things that really has shifted for me is this idea that I have to know things and get things figured out and that I have to constantly be doing and growing my business and doing all these things. And now that I've let that go, now that I've let the the belief go that I have to have things figured out, do you know what's happened for me? My time has 
exploded. My time has expanded because I'm no longer filling my time with trying to figure things out. I'm no longer filling my time with worrying that I don't have things figured out, you know, and I'm no longer filling my time with like reading books and consuming content to figure things out. It's like, now I just have all this time and like, it's like, it, it feels like all the things that I actually want to do now, I have time for that. So most people at, at our age are griping that, oh my God, I'm 40s and oh, I don't have, I can't do anything, but actually this is like the best time ever. <laughs> so everyone who's listening, you have so much ahead of you and I'm excited for everyone. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Hello, you're seeing like two... Yeah. Asian ladies who are in their yeah. 40s, like loving life right now, like yeah. being like, this is like <laughs> glory. This is like chef's kiss. Yes. It's like life right now. I mean, I yeah. saw recently that you went abroad, right? You went yeah. on your kind I of like a spiritual Turkey. journey. Yeah, I went to, well, actually, I just wanted, I need to get the fuck out of here. I mean, the rise in Asian hate crimes, I has, I'm mixing with some legal um, issues regarding my father's death and gambling and addiction and all this stuff. Um, but I just I had to get away. And Turkey happened to be one of the countries that was accepting American tourists at that time. Like this was March. Um, and it was it's just hard to travel right now. Right. So I went and never been there, didn't speak the language, didn't know anybody. It turned out to be so fun. I just like I had such an amazing time. And I realized how easy it is for me to just go to a different country, even though I've done it a in the past, like Korea and China. I've never done it to Turkey or anywhere in Europe. And I realized um, that I have all this time and I'm actually gonna do that now. Like I, I'm gonna, one of the things I've always wanted to do in my teens or in my twenties was to go to Europe and live there and learn Italian or French and immerse myself in the culture for at least a year, not to visit for two weeks, but to actually stay. And so um, I'm going to do that. I'm leaving the country. I'm expatriating myself, basically. Me too. Me too. You, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. So end goal, end goal for me is Korea, but I'm taking a detour um, through Europe. Are you still going to Korea? I am. But again, I didn't know about the Europe thing, but I also am thinking about taking a detour through like <gasps> Portugal or something like that. Come. I, I'm seriously considering it. And I think that a lot of Asian people right now, we're not the only ones. Like I'm talking yeah. to people and they're just like, you know what? Um, I have a friend, she has these two young kids and she's like, I think the opportunities of having them raised in Asia where maybe they speak Chinese because their dad mm -hmm. is Chinese. Yeah. Like, you know, if they speak Mandarin, that's going to be yeah. a very important language to have. So they'll be oh. speaking English and Mandarin. Yeah. They were like, I think there's more opportunities if we were to go over and become expats in mm -hmm. Shanghai or whatever, you know, yeah, something. Yeah. It's not just America anymore. So everybody who right now, especially to my Asian Americans, my Asian Pacific Islanders who are watching this, who are just like, I don't feel super comfy in America. You know what? You don't have to yeah. stay in America. You don't. You don't. You don't. I've never felt at home here. That's another part of me too. Like I've tried living in all many cities and I've never, ever, ever felt like home ever. That's one of my problems. I just feel like my community is not here in America. It's not. And I'm like- it's more in Korea or? I think, yeah, I think it's in Korea. I think it's in Europe. And I actually had an astrolocality se session with my astrologer. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. 
he maps out like what areas in the world has the most most energy for you and where you're able to manifest um, the, thing, the the energies of the planets more. And um, I was intuitively very correct, like Korea and um, London, <laughs> and like parts of Europe, like France and Italy had a lot of energy for me. So did China, actually. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there are places, okay, like Eckhart Tolle, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that you've probably read at least yeah. one of his books. Yeah. He talked about this. He said, listen, when I was, he like, there was a point where like he had his awakening and then he was like homeless, right? And mm -hmm. he was like, when he was in Vancouver, I think, he could just write, you know, he was writing, yes. writing, writing. But then when he left that city and went somewhere else, like he couldn't write as much and he was totally chill with it. Yes. But he was just like, you know what? Different places inspire different things in you. Yes. So don't it's be the afraid. energy. It's the energy of the planets. Like you will have the energy, for example, um, apparently in Italy, I have the energy of relationships very strong in Italy. <laughs> so I will be able to probably <laughs> um, like have re a relationship there, but that energy might be completely missing. And it, and it actually is missing in America. So we looked at my chart in America and like the energies were really, really spread out. There was not much going on. So intuitively, I was tapping into the energy of the planets and it's like something that I just knew um, and doing this astrolocality um, session just confirmed everything that I had been feeling. And it just made me feel like, okay, I'm not fucking crazy. There's a re like my pull, my draw to go to Korea. And my, I've always felt like this connection with London and England as well. Like I have a past life there or something. And I'm like, oh, it's not, it's not, I'm not just not just making this up in my head. It's actually, there's energy, <laughs> there's planetary energy behind it. You know what? Like I went to London for the first time two years ago for oh. a magic conference. And yeah, I was a speaker at the first annual uh, magical women's conference. Oh and yeah, it was so great. It was so amazing. And one of the things that I realized was that when I was there, I felt more like myself. And the thing is, is that it's not because London lacks diversity. There's lots of diversity in London. Yeah. There's lots of diversity in Great Britain. Yeah. But what I realized was that the energy of the city and everything is completely different. And yes. not only that, and not only yeah. that, just like when I lived, I lived in Korea for three years, like until yeah. like 2018. Uh -huh. And when I was living oh, in Korea, wow. yeah, I loved Korea as well. Yeah. The energy there was different too. Yeah. New York City is different from Los Angeles, yeah. is different Seattle. from yeah. Seattle, is different from Miami. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So I feel as though a lot of people, they may not even realize you can just literally change locations. Yes, you absolutely can. And one of the benefits of being American is that the um, American passport is very largely accepted with most ease other, um, compared to a lot of other countries in most countries. So take advantage of it. Take advantage of that. You know, you're, the American passport is a powerful passport. Right. And if you are ethnic Korean, you can get an F4 visa, guys. You can get a I got one too. Yeah, it's amazing. It basically gives you every single right that a Korean citizen has, except for like voting. Yeah. But like you go there and no worries for four or five years. It doesn't matter if you don't have a job, you know, like a lot of people, their visas are connected to their job. So if they lose their job in Korea, they get kicked out of the country. You don't have to worry as an F4 visa. Yeah. So wow. there's lots of ways. Like if you feel as though, you know what? I am ethnic Korean, maybe. And also if you're an adoptee. Also, mm -hmm. you qualify as an F4. Oh. 
And if you want to go to Korea and try it out, there's like literally no risk. Yeah, there's literally no risk. I and- highly, highly recommend anyone who's listening. And if you're young, go travel because that's the that is the best way to broaden your horizons. And America is in a fucking bubble. We are so in our own bubble and we are so clueless to what goes on in the world outside of us. You know, you go to any other country and you're like, this is what one of my Turkish friends um, told me because he lived here for a year. And he said, the biggest thing I noticed when I was living in America was that the news was all about America. And he says, here in Turkey, I listen to the news from Syria and Kazakhstan and all these different countries. We're just more worldly. We're more aware. And of course, it has, I think, a lot to do with the the, the landmass. America is so large, you know. Um, and if you go to Europe, it's like you're surrounded by like five different countries. Right. But I think there's something to be said about, you know, America being so ethnocentric ethnocentric and egocentric and making it the center of the world and thinking that all the problems we're experiencing in this world is what everyone else is experiencing no and there's so much out in the world right now that, that is so removed from all of this and i think it would be healthy to leave america especially if you're really um concerned and really feeling like traumatized by all the things that are going on go just go <laughs> And I think especially for uh, fellow Asians and Pacific Islanders, um, you know, it's been, it's been a a pretty rough year for everybody. Um, And one of the things that I'm starting to realize is the importance of representation. Like I think a lot of us, we didn't grow up with an example of an Asian person who can just completely fuck up in life, but then find themselves again. We didn't grow up with examples of I don't know, just Asian people not acting, you know, like what the model minority myth like expects yeah. us to act like. Um, yeah. Other races, maybe in America, they have a diversity of like uh, representation in the media. So it's not as unusual to find a white person, let's say, who, you know, who has more of like the discovering themselves late in life or, you know, who comes out um, when they're like 13 or who totally becomes a drug addict, but is redeemed or goes to jail or does this. Mm -hmm. But in the Asian community, it is very rare. And also there's a family thing, right? Like we Mm -hmm. bring honor or dishonor to our families. So can you speak to especially the, the Asian and the Pacific Island, which is we're watching this, um, they're, they're looking at you, they're looking at us, mm. you know, and we're one of the few people that they're seeing who mm-hmm. are doing like a non-Christian thing. Yeah, know? yeah. Like, do you have any words for them? Yeah, do you know what? Um, I really struggle just like everyone else who's Asian or API um, with the clearly the rise in Asian hate crimes. Um, although Asian hate crimes has been happening for forever, basically. Um, You know, I noticed that the minute that I turned on my phone and I started scrolling, I would see violence on my phone, images of someone that looked like my mother or my father being brutally, you know, killed. And it was like again and again and again and again. And I started to have um, like a traumatic response. And it was like, it was hard for me to breathe. You know, when I started walking um, down my street, I started becoming afraid. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second. 
And for those of you guys that are listening, like go back and listen to everything I just said. The crux of everything I'm saying is around finding your own divine confidence, having a sense of who you are and what you're here to do, regardless of what's going on in the world outside of you. And for me, I realized I had to ground myself again because I refuse to let anybody out there, I refuse to let the hatred and violence out in the world right now change me on a molecular cellular level, quantum level, where I go out into the world and I am afraid. And so I had to do that whole work again. I had to go inwards and think, okay, how do I want to show up? You know, how do I want to show up as a powerful woman? How am I going to feel safe in my own energy? Because I will not walk out into the world and travel the world from a place of fear. I'm not going to do that. Why? No, I'm not going to let these haters and these violent people steal my joy. Fuck that shit. No. <laughs> and so it requires like, of course, we have to be aware of what's going on within our communities and we have to advocate for um, stopping Asian hate and we have to advocate for peace and justice. And at the same time, it requires that you take care of yourself. You have to find out and figure out how you create that container of safety for yourself within yourself, because everyone should be able to walk around and feel safe. And, and I know it's hard because there are people out there um, harming and creating violence, but in addition to stopping those people with our justice work, we also have to do the inner work on ourselves and by ourselves. That is so true. And also for all the Asian kids, the Pacific Islander kids who mm -hmm. are just like, you know what? Like, as you mentioned, oftentimes you were bullied the most by people within our own community. Yeah. yeah. If you're watching this channel and you're Asian, you're probably the fucking freak and weirdo, right? Yeah. You're, you're probably like being forced to go to church <laughs> um, and you're just like, I don't know if I believe in this, right? Yeah. So you're already built different. Yeah. And you're built different in a culture where we felt safe. Mm -hmm. And probably for the right reasons, we felt safe when we were just amongst each other. Mm -hmm. But I also want to let you guys know, I'm telling you, if you're Asian American, go to Asia, Asia. Those people are fucking crazy. <laughs> 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 they are different. They're different. Yeah. Yeah, they're different. So don't think that Asians and even amongst Asians, we think that Asians are like, even amongst ourselves, we're just like, we're like this. Yeah, Go to Asia, there's diversity yeah. there, too. Yeah, there's yeah. growing, you know, in Korea, there were like, instead of food trucks, they had tarot trucks, like outside the clubs in Gangnam, you really? would come out. Yeah, there was a purple truck. I remember there was this one club in Gangnam, they would play yeah. like 90s K-pop, right? I loved going yeah. there. Yeah. And it was the best because Korean guys at these Korean oh, clubs, uh -huh. I know it's so amazing. You, yeah. you would get a locker. Nobody would steal yeah. your shit. You yeah. go there and you dance. None of the guys are being like jerks, you know? Yeah. You would come out and there would be a tarot truck and it'd just be like, oh my God, I would go to like tarot cafes, you know, they would give yeah. you like a macchiato and then they would like look at your saju and then like your tarot card what? and astrology. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I and it. and I think a lot of Korean Americans would be like, wait, there are like non-Christians and yeah, most of the Korean population, if they're Christian, they're like not as like evangelical as Korean Americans. Yeah, like, they're a wow. lot more like chill. 
are oh. a lot more chill. So you'd be I surprised. Yeah. Be surprised. Yeah. <sighs> I'm so glad, Kat, that I feel as though, first of all, as I mentioned, you and I, we look like twins, which yeah, I'm know, so stoked about. <laughs> like, see, literally, during this interview, I'm just like staring at you like, oh, my God, like, you look exactly the same. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm like very happy with what I see. Um, yeah, and- too. I'm like, oh, I love her face. She's so clear. I love your make the whole thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time that we met. It was actually through, um, it was Onmine. Like yeah. that, uh, it was like a, a Zoom group for like mm-hmm. Korean Americans. Yeah. And I remember like being like, wow, like Kat is extremely glamorous. Oh. But the thing is, is that the more I'm talking to you, I'm just like, how amazing that somebody so glamorous can also be super down to earth. Yeah. Super fucking weird in like the best way. Yeah. Making my language mutants. Like, yeah, you know, free- I know right? oh my God, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And also like somebody who is so self-aware to be like, you know what? I'm still going through this process. Yeah. And amazing. I get to evolve again and again yes. and again and again. Yeah. I feel like the message you have is just so empowering and so amazing. Oh, and can you, you tell us again, like where people can find you online? Yeah, come find me. I'm at Kat Kim, K-A-T-K-I-M.com. Um, find me on Instagram, Kat Kim official. DM me if you're listening to this and there's something in um, our conversation that resonates with you. Just like come and say hi. I love connecting with people that hear me on interviews because it's like, for me, it's like, oh, they listened to something and they heard something that I shared or the story. And so there's like an immediate connection that I feel. So uh, your, your people are mostly on um, Instagram, right? Or TikTok? TikTok, Instagram, or like, yeah, mm-hmm. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Come All find me, Cat Kim, Cat Kim Official. I encourage you to come um, and DM me. I want to hear from each and every single person that feels called to do that. Amazing. Kat, thank you so much for doing this interview. Yeah, this is so fun. I hope we can do it again. And I hope to like meet you in person. <laughs> Seriously, I hope that we yeah. meet in Europe, eat yes. some amazing foods, Girl. have some torrid like hookups in like Italy. <laughs> I'm down for that. I'm down I'm for so that. I'm so down. I'm so down, sister. Oh my God. <laughs> and then finally settle in Korea and like go to tarot yes. trucks and like do like 90s K-pop. Like, oh Netflix. my God. You are my sister. Literally. <laughs> hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers they're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.